Today's episode of Tales of the Voidfarer is presented in part by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you're going to get when you include an ad from Podgo like the one in this very episode. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. And be sure to tell them those cool nerds at Tales of the Voidfarer sent you. Previously on Tales of the Voidfarer... These items appear to be found on the body of an elf in the ruins of a tower, a very dusty and beaten red feather quill. There's a gold ring with a purple gem cut to look like a brain. Do you know what all of them do? I mean, are they cool? We're not entirely sure. I take the sword, the ring, and the quill. Marco, like, please don't steal from my <laughs> colleagues. And then, like, we just raise them. <laughs> Fitzwilliam Locke committed the most heinous act a gift can commit. He is a kinslayer. Holy shit, we gotta talk to him. I knew we shouldn't have trusted him. With that, the storm rig lurches to life and breaches into the storm once more. Alright. Very nice. then it's been a while <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's been so long that we have a new president elect since the last <laughs> time we played thank christ <laughs> yeah yeah thank god yeah when we recorded it was obama right yeah last time yeah. we recorded it was obama uh-huh okay uh, i thought it was jimmy carter sure. and now it's gonna be joe biden what did we miss <laughs> everything was great right nothing consequential <laughs> no that's not true at all <laughs> Sleep for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So anyway, let's jump into things then. <laughs> so you guys have climbed aboard the storm rig once again and departed from Storm's Eye, this magical respite from the storm in the middle of this perpetually churning necromantic storm on the moon, the vizier. And you are on your way to your final destination, which is the mine owned by the Moonhammer Mining Company located deep within this storm. You are escorting a shipment of supplies that Brawla Iron Dust was supposed to deliver, and now it's your guys' job. Brawla is traveling with you as well as Brohane, your gift companion Fitzwilliam Luck, and then the three leadfoot gnomes Lugnut, Camshaft, and Gasket. But anyway, you know that this last leg of your journey from Storm's Eye to the mine will be another two days. So you do notice that after a couple hours, the terrain does start to get a little rockier and a little bit hillier, but there seems to be a pretty clear path from repeated journeys. But yeah, what do you guys want to do? 
I think uh, Marco would probably be sitting off by himself, kind of like going over his notes and just kind of like looking out at the beautiful, wonderful vizier scenery. <laughs> the the swirling sandstorms and flashes of purple arcane lightning in the storm. Beautiful scenery indeed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Picturesque. Uh-huh. Uh, Luckbeak is going to uh, just excuse himself and he's going to uh, take a look at the two magic items that he procured legally last episode. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You excuse yourself down into the like cargo hold of the storm rig. Okay. The only one down there is uh, Dipstick the Giant Space Hamster <laughs> okay. with his with his one like clockwork front leg. That's the spinoff podcast of this is Dipstick the Giant Space Hamster. That Dipstick sounds like the, 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 the breakout character from this, this show. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Dipstick He's... and Tashi going on adventures. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's, just, it's just Space Ham Taro at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and really, that's what we've worked up to. Right. That's 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 the game we wanted to play. Uh, <laughs> we had to tell you this story so that we could tell you that story. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so anyway, um, if if I recall, um, you took the ring and the quill. That is correct. Okay. Which do you want to look at first? Well, I know the ring, or I believe the ring, is a ring of mind shielding. So I'm going to take a look at the quill. Sure. Um, it, uh, I was smart enough to copy and paste the quills info into my notes for this session from last mm-hmm. session. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it is, uh, it, it, it just looks like a red, uh, red feather quill with like a little leather, like grip and a, uh, pen tip on the end of it. Okay. Um, you can... You're not sure if it requires attunement or not, but you can go through the process of attuning to it to, at the very least, learn what it does. I will do that. Sure. So you kind of sit here with it for an hour and just kind of chill and hang on to this uh, red feather quill. And at the end of the hour, uh, you do learn that you don't need to attune to it to use it. Um, But you learn that it is an orator's quill. And you know innately that the quill generates its own mundane ink and acts on its own as you speak to it. While holding the quill, you can speak a command word as a bonus action to activate it. And while activated, it magically floats upright and writes the words you speak to whatever stationary non-living surface it is placed on. When it reaches the edge of the surface, it begins a new line below, continuing. And if the quill reaches the end of the surface, it... uh, such as the a piece of parchment, it taps against the surface expectantly until a new one is provided. Uh, uh, <laughs> you must be within 15 feet of the quill in order to speak to it, and if the quill is behind total cover, it cannot understand you. Um, if you speak the quill's command word again, uh, even if you're not holding it, the quill deactivates and falls down. Or if you don't say anything for a minute, it deactivates on its own. As I find out what I sacrificed for and what I'm eventually going to have to face back in Storm's Eye, I shake my head and get angrier and angrier. <laughs> uh, you know, I did try to tell you the quill wouldn't be as useful. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed you did. But God damn it. Uh, and, and shout out to Griffin's Saddlebag for this item, which is super cool. They have lots of cool 5e compatible magic items. Shout out, Griffin. Also, fuck you. All right. <laughs> 
uh, cool. Okay, I, uh, I I put it back in my sack, and uh, I mean, if I have the chance, I'm just going to see if there's anything additional about the Ring of Mind shielding that I wouldn't have known before. Yeah. So uh, you take another hour to attune to this Ring of Mind shielding, mm-hmm. and it, it does in fact require attunement. Mm-hmm. And what it means is while wearing the ring, you are immune to magic that allows other creatures to read your thoughts, determine whether you are lying, know your alignment, or know your creature type. And creatures can telepathically communicate with you only if you allow it. Okay, got it. Additionally, you can use an action to cause the ring to become invisible until you use another action to make it visible again. Oh my god, I'm doing that immediately. Yeah. (laughs) And it stays visible until you make it so, or remove it, or if you die. Got it. Perfect. Oh, the other thing you'll know, uh, if you die while wearing the ring, your soul enters it. Unless it already houses a soul. Uh, 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 Does it house a soul right now, Nick? Can I tell that? Let's see. (laughs) I feel like this is probably something you would have known if you asked. So (laughs) you're not sure, but uh, you know that if there is a soul within the ring, you can telepathically communicate with it while wearing the ring. Uh, Well, I reach out tentatively and terrifiedly. What do you say? Uh, I say, uh, hey, uh, anybody home? Who are you? Uh, my name's Stephen Monceau. What's your name? (laughs) Forgive me if I'm reluctant to share just yet. All right. Uh. How'd you, uh, you died while wearing this thing? There's no answer. Okay, all right. Uh, well, nice to meet you, friend, um, I guess. <laughs> A peek behind the curtain. I was unaware of that ability of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> Until this moment? <laughs> Literally just read it, and I realized... You know there would be a soul in the ring. Oh, so we'll boy. see where that goes. Oh, good. Okay, I love that. <laughs> The soul time. in the ring was like, that's an obvious fake name. And now I'm going to also be cagey about it. <laughs> oh, no. Wait, can he telepathically communicate with me without my uh, my consent? It says. Turns out it's the suzerain. It can telepathically communicate with you and the Christ. wearer can't prevent that. He's going to fucking haunt me or some shit. <laughs> that sucks. Surprise, bitch. I'm in the ring. <laughs> uh, okay. Um I kind of, I, I twist the ring nervously on my finger um, while kind of considering the pros versus the cons of having it. Um, and then in the end, I just leave it where it is and, uh, and walk above deck. You leave the ring on? Yes. Okay. Does Luckbeak have fingers? Yes. He has like two fingers and a thumb. Like the Tim Burton Batman yeah. penguin. <laughs> uh, okay. Turns out Luckbeak is just Danny DeVito in a suit. <laughs> Adorable. Takes off his hat. It was me all along. <laughs> Let me offer you an egg. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. So Luckbeak kind of fucked off for the first couple hours of the journey. Marco is studying his notes. Um, I would imagine his CSI Cratoria investigative notes. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> and uh, Ravnus, what are you up to? 
Um, I will answer that question with a question. Um, where is Mr. Locke? Locke has kind of posted up where he had been spending the entire first leg of the journey earlier and is maintaining his guns as he is wont to do. Okay. Um, he generally keeps to himself. Uh, so Marco is also on like the deck thing, like where Locke is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ravnus is going to sit by Marco and sharpen her sword something just like do some sort of like maintenancey thing that doesn't actually have like an effect on the game that's just sort of like what she's busying her hands with so you're you're trying to like keep an eye on Locke, but try to be subtle about it uh yeah yeah she was like eyeing him but like trying not to like be obvious about it sure but she's definitely like suspiciously looking at him Go ahead and make a deception check to be subtle. <laughs> very sneaky. I'm probably not very good at this. Yeah, that's a nine. So you're sitting there giving Locke the stink eye, and he happens to glance up and make eye contact <laughs> with you and, like, cocks an eyebrow. <laughs> I kind of um, like the idea of them both just glaring at each other. <laughs> This is so one-sided, though. That's the yeah. Thing. Locke doesn't have a problem with Ravnus at all. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, um, Marco's just sitting there writing in between the two of them. <laughs> yeah. Marco's, Marco's like looking back and blissfully forth. unaware. Um, <laughs> Should I leave you two alone? <laughs> um, yeah. When Ra when he catches Ravnus's eye, she's going to do the thing where she quickly looks away because she totally wasn't looking oh, at it. She's got another crush. <laughs> that's okay. that's the other thing this game is turning into is just all my various weird ravenous ships <laughs> <laughs> ravenous x everybody <laughs> mm -hmm. um yeah when you do that he just kind of shrugs and goes back to cleaning his pistols that are all laid out in front of him yeah i took the most interesting role-playing option there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you guys are just kind of doing that. And Marco, you see that Brohane is working on Ira just across the way. But, you know, you being intelligent and decently observant, you're fairly certain he is, like, disassembling and reassembling the same components of Ira, like, for the third or fourth time since starting this journey. Um, I am going to ask first and foremost, because I'm going to go down, like, the inklings of, like, problems that Brohane might be having here. Um, is Brawla nearby? Uh, Brawla is actually nowhere near Brohane at the moment. Okay. Brawla is towards the front talking to Camshaft, who is driving. So it's not Brawla. Okay, so, um, all right, I'll, I'll take the bait this time. Um, Marco is going to close his book, look between uh, Locke and Ravnus, realize there's a very weird energy going on, and he is in the sandwich <laughs> there. <laughs> and head over to Brohane. Do I know what he's working on? Do I know, like, the component? You're not entirely sure. Um, it does look like it's part of, like, the the component that seems to channel, like, alchemical substance from Ira's alchemical engine forward into the, like, head portion. Okay. But you're not sure exactly what it does. Okay, so um, I think I'm going to walk up and just say to Brohane, um... I'm no artificer, but I have a feeling that that piece is pretty well, uh, assembled. All right. Well, you can't be, uh, can't be ever be too sure, right? Fair enough. Um, I sit down next to him. 
So, um, what's what's going on there, bud? I mean, I know that you've had your problems with Brawler, but I mean, I'll I'll tell you, she's 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 up there at the uh, near the cockpit. She's not around, so you can kind of uh, lay off the the you know working hands, no time to talk facade. Look, she's the least of my worries, really. She's annoying, sure, but uh, we're getting closer and closer to the mine, and that comes with a whole other uh, host of anxieties. Is this the uh, the family issues that you were talking about before in the block and tackle? Yeah, it would be that. Uh, well? I haven't been, I guess, in close proximity to the Moonhammers since all of that really went down. Uh, let's just say it's complicated, and I'm not quite sure what to expect when we get there. Hmm. But Val asked me to come along, um, thinks it might be useful, so, uh, can't argue with that. Uh, Marco's gonna look down, hmm, well, uh, actually it looks like it could probably use a little bit more fine-tuning there, bud. Maybe another <laughs> go or two will help, uh, make sure it's tip-top shape. <laughs> Alright, well, maybe you can give me a hand. How may that? And he points to a component that's sitting on the ground nearby. Of course, and I uh, hand it over to him. He'll take it and he'll start tinkering with your and he goes, working on stuff is always how I get stuff off my mind. You know, even things as large as not quite knowing how the Moonhammers are going to react, given that I was advocating for a war not long ago. You, were, you didn't mention that before in the block and tackle. You were advocating for war. Against who? Well, the... I wanted the Windhelms to go to war with the Moonhammers. You'll have to forgive me, Brohane. I'm, you know, a, a groundling, so I don't know who the hell the Windhelms are. Windhelm is is my clan. Oh, you're Brohane Wind Windhelm. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> wow, Marco. <laughs> To be fair, it's been like a year and a half since you really we first has. met Brohane yeah. IRL. So like, <laughs> um, yeah, if like he only mentioned it once in passing, then it certainly would have yeah. slipped his mind. He goes, oh, um, I'm so sorry. I forgot your last name was Windhelm. That's uh, that's my mistake. You know, I really should start demanding that all of the other Voidfarer crew start calling me Bosun Windhelm like they should, but I guess that's on me for just getting lax and being too friendly. <laughs> I, I've only known you as Brohane. I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, it's also on me for, uh, for, for being forgetful. Um, so, <laughs> awkward tension aside of me completely forgetting your last name for a moment. Uh... So you are advocating for war is... Listen, I, I, Groundling again, and I mean, that's once again no excuse for forgetting surnames, but uh, <laughs> who who are the Moon... All I've known is really the name and that they're a company. Is, are they bad or we, should we be on guard? The Moonhammers are a clan, like the Windhelms. The Windhelms and the Moonhammers were two of the seven Dwarven clans that were part of the Dwarven Renaissance that revolutionized Dwarven life in wild space. Before then, Dwarves mostly lived in their massive citadels, these asteroids that they'd mine, mostly keeping to themselves there. But with this Dwarven Renaissance, we uh, started developing new technologies. The Windhelms, in particular, he says, gesturing to himself, explored uses of rune magic in creating smaller ships than these massive asteroids. And working together, these seven clans kind of reinvented dwarven life throughout the stars. Hmm. Barco is, uh, 
turned into like explorer archaeologist like academic marco is now jotting all of this down feverishly <laughs> in his book yeah brohane's just like casually explaining it and you start like taking notes like it's a lecture and he kind of looks down at it and like hesitates for a second and then kind of shrugs to himself and keeps going <laughs> and he says uns the Moonhammers are the clan that is the leading force in mining. They mine and trade what they find, and they did grow to be the largest and wealthiest of the seven dwarven clans. And the Windhelms, being more of the uh, artificers of the, the group, um, experimenting with new magical technology and space travel, we were one of the smaller clans. And eventually there was a union between our two clans that was beneficial for both. Um, my father married into the Moonhammer clan. My mother is the uh, daughter of Prince Tarbin Moonhammer, mm. niece of King Balmoral Moonhammer himself. I see. So this is, uh, this is also more than just a political squabble. Your family is also the Moonhammers by marriage. I... I technically a moonhammer my father was a windham my mother was a moonhammer ah understand um all of that sort of uh went to shite when my mother died i kind of think to myself uh, i was just like wow the family issues on this fucking boat. <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm starting to get a full picture here of uh of at least why you're a little shaky on heading over here yes you see my mother advocated for what the Windhelms were doing. She was very interested in the advancement of magical technology and was invested in seeing a lot of that being used by the Moonhammers. And in exchange, the Moonhammers supported the research of the Windhelms. But when she died, it was because of an accident that happened on one of the Windhelms' newer spacecraft. The Windhelms blame the Moonhammer crew for not understanding and heeding our warnings and mishandling the craft. But the Moonhammers blame the Windhelm technology. And so this is why you advocated for war? Aye. Due to Dwarven law, if the bride in a political union is to die, either by assassination or negligence, the family of the groom has to return all of the large dowry that we received in that union. Hmm which at that time was all our clan had. It bankrupted us, basically. But I thought that we should dispute this claim, that it was the Moonhammer's fault that led to the death of my mother. And I take it that that uh, was never settled. No, it was settled. Ah. Uh. Myself and the rest of the Windhelm clan didn't necessarily see eye to eye on the matter. I see. So settled, but not exactly justice being served. Aye. We just rolled over. We gave them everything. We basically ruined our status and our resources just to make nice with the Moonhammers. Holy shit, Brohane. Like I said, <laughs> it's complicated. Um, I guess my other follow-up question after all of that is, <laughs> should we be protective of you once you get there? Or are we to expect an assassination or something while we're in their presence? I wouldn't think something as brash as an assassination, but um, I'd be lying if I said I knew exactly what to expect when we got there. So I guess be on your guard. But despite what my stances were in the conflict before, 
my status among the Windhelms does come with some weight, which is why Val sent me here to begin with, to oversee the uh, transaction. Uh, Marco is going to ruffle through his bag and pull out a bottle. He hands it over to Brohan and says, <laughs> Here, I uh, I picked this up back on the Deer Anchorage to make that drink I got at the uh, Jenny's Top Sale. I think you might need it more than I do. <laughs> uh, he seems appreciative and he, he chuckles to himself and takes it and takes a big swig right from the bottle. Appreciate it, but I think I had them. Uh, that's all I really need for now, and he'll hand the bottle back to you. And I'm going to drink too after listening to all that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave you to it then, Brohane, for the time being. Um, listen, if you need anything while we're there, um, thank you, Brohane. I appreciate the manner. <laughs> that delights me every time. <laughs> But it says, uh, listen, I will, uh, whatever happens there, I'll back you up no matter what. I appreciate that, Marco. Thanks for your help, he says, nodding towards Ira. Of course, uh, Bosun Windhelm. Not going to forget that. As I'm walking away, <laughs> kind of like, see me like tapping my head like, remember. <laughs> Windhelm. Remember. Um. <laughs> nice. Whenever I return, I'll be sure to sit adjacent to Ravna so I'm not in between that right. uh, whatever's right, right. going on there so I'm sitting next to her not like a j- like in front of her is uh, <laughs> is Locke within earshot of Marco and Ravnus? He, you're at a distance where you can shout out to him and he'll hear you but you can also talk in a low enough voice that he won't because it's also there's the rattling of the whole rig and the storm blowing around and stuff right. it's not like you're sitting in a silent room across from each other like Marco even stepping a couple feet away to talk to Brohan, you couldn't hear any of that conversation. Gotcha. So I, I missed the embarrassing moment of not knowing our <laughs> friend's last name. <laughs> That's okay. I didn't know it either. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, Ravnus is going to sort of lean in uh, towards Marco and, and sort of like, like gesture her head towards, uh, towards Locke and be like, what do you, what do you make of everything that we've learned? Um, uh, about uh... <laughs> Marco, who just learned a lot about something else. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, oh man, I need a second. Ravnus leans in. Ah, <laughs> oh, fucking hell, really? <laughs> uh, Sorry. About... No, it's okay. Uh, about our gun-toting friend over there, or in general, friend is a way to put it, but. Yeah, Locke. I think I was using the term, you know, uh, not not literally, but either way, um, he's, I would say, troublesome. I guess. Uh, uh, let me try to explain. He has a he has an odd past to him, and that certainly makes me uneasy. But so far, nothing he's done has made me think that he would turn on us. If he betrayed something that sacred. What's to say he won't turn on us? Very salient point, hence my reservations. <laughs> um, all things considered, I guess it's pertinent to keep an eye on him. He's definitely out for himself first and foremost, and I could certainly say that if this rig happened to break down, as like machines start to break left and right, <laughs> um, he probably would leave us at the drop of a hat to save himself. Saker, at any time, Luckby can return to the scene from his attuning. Sure. Yeah, um, 
So I guess my assessment of him would be that he would certainly not bat an eyelash at leaving us for dead, but I guess we are useful as a set of fighting arms. I'm not worried about him leaving us. Are you worried about him killing us in our sleep? Hey, what's to say he wouldn't? I'm sorry, I was just walking past. Did you say somebody was killing us in our sleep? <laughs> oh, yes, yes, we, yes, I Yes? Am. Okay, that's something you should probably alert the whole boat about. What's happening? Uh, it's more of a rhetorical <laughs> question. <laughs> Didn't sound like much of a question uh, to me, Marco. It, it, well, it was a question. <laughs> All right. Towards Ravnus, asking if their intentions were that, and it turns out to be true, yes. Who, the dwarves? I knew that they were something shady about them. Ravnus, I'll allow you to explain <laughs> yourself. Oh, real quick, Luckbeak, on a side note, did you know that Brohane's last name was Windhelm? Huh? He has a last name? Oh, thank <laughs> I'm not the only one. Thank you. <laughs> yes, he does. Either way, side topic. We'll talk about that later. Oh, all right. That's fine. <laughs> you didn't know Brohane's last name? No. Ravenous, did you? We've been on a ship together for a while. Yeah, okay, Ravenous, I understand. You have a secret caramel center, and you actually are really, like, personable and love everybody. <laughs> She's the caramello bar of the crew. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, all right. What, what is it, Windjammer? Uh, Windhelm. 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 Okay. Got it. Brohane Windhelm. All right. I'll, I don't know. I, I'm going to say I'll remember it, but I'll forget it 10 seconds from now, and that's probably not a big deal. How often did you, did you get in trouble? Um, uh, egg on face, but yeah. nothing too serious. All right. Uh, sorry. What were you going to say, Ravnus? We're talking about Locke. Locke? Uh, so, what, did you did you do a little more digging on him? No, we were just talking about him. Oh, and it somehow came up that he's going to kill us all in our sleep? That's just Marco <laughs> speculating. Sure, sure, okay. Um, I am kind of curious about what that woman said back in Storm's Eye, but it does seem kind of tactless to talk to him about it, huh? Why would he tell us the truth about it? And there's that too. I mean, most certainly. Uh, huh. I don't know. I, I, I mean, it could be good to know. I mean, maybe we could work our way into like his his inner circle because we know his truth and we know that he's a good person past this whole thing. I don't know. It would be a good good person to have on our side, don't you think? Would it? Now, I feel like I feel like you're interrogation tactic here is you're just gonna say like would it is it after i say anything but you know what it's fucking working like now i'm doubting myself so um i i guess the idea here is uh ravnus you you clearly have some suspicions about this man what exactly should we be worried about here i mean from from my own assessment, he was someone who was out for himself first and foremost, but wasn't going to stab us in the middle of the night because it suited him. Well, how sure we can be that he's here for the reasons he says he's here. What were the reasons? Out of character, <laughs> what were the reasons he said he was here? Uh, he's he's hired by the Leadfoot. Just, just hired help. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He does strike me as a gun for hire type. Yes. Like but... like all gif. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ravnus, I'm not saying that you are incorrect here. I'm just trying to put together evidence that he comes across as 
suspicious, but not anything damning. I don't know. I feel uneasy about having him here. I believe you meant to say, is he? And it would have worked on him, too. (laughs) (laughs) I'll keep that in mind for next time. I mean, I I do also agree that there's an unease about him. Well, I don't know. We could... I mean, my main skill is, like, being small and poking around. So if y'all want me to, like, go through his stuff, I mean, if if we're really worried about him, I could figure out maybe why he's here or what he's doing. Um, I could always just... Try talking to him yeah. too. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I tried that a little while ago, didn't go super well. But you, sure, maybe he's just I don't know, doa racist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at that point, there's a soft lurch, and it feels like the rig is slowing down. Are we are we close to our scheduled stop? I sure hope so. You've been told that it's going to be a two day journey to the final stop, and it's only been half a day. Mm. Thought you were about to say half an hour. Like, oh, half shit. an hour. <laughs> Lock Peak is only a quarter of a way of attuning to his two items. It's like, ah, oh, snap, hell, we just need to turn around and get some snacks. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, just like walk back with like a gas canister. <laughs> Be like, listen, guys, broke down. Got to get some gas. All right. Well, uh, with that, yeah. Go ahead, Marco. I was going to say that I was going to then start moving towards the cockpit to find out what's going on. Yeah, me too. Yeah, Ravnus will also follow. Yeah. Sure. Hey everyone, Nick Yurisiva here, your dungeon master and certified cool guy. Don't believe me? Look, I have my credentials right here. Thank you for listening to the sixth episode of Chapter 4. We apologize that it's late, but some unexpected stuff came up last time, as it sometimes does. But regardless, we hope you enjoyed that feed drop for our newest podcast in the Project Derailed family, Taverns Travel and Tests. It's a meme-infused D&D 5e actual play podcast by our good buddy Cliff, who is the other half of the nerdcore rap group 2D6, along with Saker, our very own Luckbeak. You can check them out on Twitter at Triple T D&D and catch new episodes the second and fourth Mondays of every month, wherever you get your podcasts. Stick around to the end of this episode for a trailer. If you're liking what you're hearing, be sure to follow us at VoidfarerPod on Twitter and at VoidfarerPodcast on Facebook. Also, leave a rating and review for us on iTunes. That's a fantastic and free way for you to show your support and help us out. You can check out our Voidfarer merch at the Project Derailed Redbubble store at bit.ly slash derailed shop. Some wonderful new designs by the talented Chelsea Rexinger are currently in the works and will hopefully be up on the shop soon. If you like movies, you should check out Big Streaming Pile, another Project Derailed podcast hosted by our very own Fiona L.F. Kelly and producer Tom Goldthwaite. They discuss the best bad movies available on Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, and more. I've even stopped over there myself for a couple episodes and will be joining them again in a few weeks to talk about a franchise near and dear to my heart, Jurassic Park. Specifically the sequels The Lost World and Jurassic Park 3. Also, if you want more RPG actual play goodness from us, check out Fables Around the Table, our indie RPG anthology podcast where we tell a different story playing a different RPG system each season. We just announced our next season, Chronicle, featuring the RPG Microscope. Episode 0 of that season lands next week on Wednesday, November 25th. 
Special shout out to our producer, Tom Goldthwaite, for writing the theme song. And shout out to the band Highland Rose for their awesome rock version of that song that we're using this season. You can check out Highland Rose's newest EP, Live My Life, wherever you get music. Additional music provided by purple-planet.com. Lastly, today's episode is presented in part by State Bags. State Bags makes beautiful, well-made, inclusively cool products while using the power of business to give back and shift the narrative around social injustice. For every State Bag purchased, State hand delivers a backpack packed with essential tools for success to an American child in need. But their commitment goes beyond simply a material donation. State Bags has your back, and part of that commitment is making a difference in local kids' lives. To get you ready for your commute or wherever you are traveling next, State is offering our listeners 15% off their next purchase at statebags.com using the code POD. That's 15 off your next purchase using the code POD at statebags.com. State Bags, they have your back. The next episode of Tales of the Voidfarer will land on Tuesday, December 1st. But for now, let's put this episode to bed. You guys walk your way up there and you see camshaft is down in the like driver's seat and brawl is standing towards the front next to him hanging on to like the roll cage that it goes around that part of the rig hey um what's what's going on we're slowing down yeah camshaft turns around you see his goggles down that have a little bit of dust on it and uh he goes ah we're coming up on the moss band i don't know what that is <laughs> <laughs> brawla will will turn and says it's a big old fuck off ravine with a bridge across it. Oh, okay. Oh, thanks, I guess. It's good. <laughs> yeah, camshaft will say, yeah, we have to slow down a little better. The bridge will get torn up if we just fly across it at full speed. Uh. So uh, just got to slow down a little bit. But if, well, you guys are here, you might want to let Locke know uh, if there's anything on the bridge, we'll have to take it out ahead of time because we won't have the speed to reliably plow through it like we usually do. Fair enough. Looks over. So, which of us, Mary Trio, wants to go talk to our good friend that we've just been suspecting of murder? I say under my breath, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> I mean, Marco, I think you're kind of the prime candidate here, huh? I mean, I don't mean to volunteer you, but <laughs> I tried, and I'm not ravenous. No fault against you, but I mean, I think that Marco might be more personable. <laughs> Will he? Damn, she's right. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> All right, Ravenous, you're in charge. <laughs> Marco can go. I don't want to go. So I guess Marco will stride forward then after that weird exchange. Uh, and Marco approaches Locke. Excuse me, um, Locke. Yes? Uh, it looks like we're coming up on a bridge that we need to slow down on. Uh, Kemshev says he needs you up there to uh, take care of anything that might be on the bridge. Oh. Uh. The moss pen. Yeah, it's about that time. Yeah, that thing. He gets up and he holsters his guns and lumbers towards the front. And as he does so, he's taking his rifle off of his back. So you guys stand at the front. There's still this magic dome that's holding the storm at bay about 100 feet out from the vehicle in every direction. So it's kind of hard to see beyond there. You can a little bit. But as you're slowing down a little bit more, you do see that the ground at a certain point as you approach, it just cuts off. And you see these two massive, like, wooden, like, logs sticking out of the ground. 
um, probably a good 30 feet up on either side, and you see ropes and chains wrapped around it and extending off into the storm. Do you see massive wooden and iron planks across? And this is a massive suspension bridge that extends so far into the storm, you cannot see the other side. Mm. Just wide enough for the storm rig to drive on it. Oh, this looks horrifying. <laughs> it does not look up to code. No. We should, we should probably call OSHA on this one. <laughs> who do you think who do you think built this that's a good question i mean like it has to be built before the storm right i'm surprised it's weathered this long yeah one would think uh camshaft will lie over his shoulder say yeah the dwarves from the mine keep it uh maintenance because having this bridge here cuts the route down by a good four days sure so uh I you know pit- it's in their interest to make sure the supply line comes through here i pity the man who had that shift yeah the bridge repair shift. And just just remind me, Camshaft, I mean, like a lot of people go over this bridge, right? Like, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not like used once every year or like, it's pretty reliable. No, every single, uh, every single trip from Storm's Eye into the mine goes this route. Okay. It's mostly our rigs, but uh, yeah, use it pretty regularly. Okay. Luckby like hops up and down and like loosens his shoulders. He's, he's like, all right, I'm going to close my eyes. Just tell me when we're finished with it. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I'd recommend you keep your eyes peeled. If anything's up ahead, you might want to take shots at it. Oh, so that's right. I forgot, I forgot. All right. All right. Uh, I'm going to. C- can I hop on board the, uh, the the gunning station? The ballista? Yes. Yeah. Cool. You can do that. Cool. Hey, I'm going to do this, guys, just in case. <laughs> uh, I'm preparing fireball. So, you know. Okay. We all do our thing. Hey, let's maybe not use fireball when we're on the bridge, though, Marco. Just, you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> all right. Well, um. I'll prepare slow then. That way we can slow him down so someone else can kill him. It's more refined of a hit. I didn't mean to upset you. You sound upset. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell the wizard how to wizard. (laughs) Oh, no. uh, Not at all. Okay. All right. All right. No, I mean... uh, I mean, it was a a fair play. I mean, I didn't know the bridge was made of wood. All right. Yeah, that'd be a a bad thing to set on fire. I'm not in the business of telling wizards how to whiz, so... (laughs) I'm whizzing just fine, I promise. All right. Wow. Marco is. Yeah. Tanner, uh, on the Marco other hand. Is, Tanner is not. Yeah, Tanner is definitely not. <laughs> Tanner's got a urology appointment on Friday. You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> Kidney stones, man. They they suck. If you were wondering why we didn't have an episode. <laughs> There's easier ways to get out of recording, Tanner. Right. Right. <laughs> All right. So the rig starts onto the bridge and there is a loud and you see huge thick ropes like probably three four inches in diameter are these big thick ropes and there are big chains as well and as the rig rolls onto the bridge you see the uprights and those ropes and chains flex and the rig continues to move forward and the entire bridge kind of flexes under its weight And this span seems so wide that the bridge just seems to descend downward a little bit into nothing. And you imagine if it comes back up for the other side, this bridge has to be at least a thousand feet long. Damn. Yeah. Uh, Anything on it so far? Uh, Make a perception check. Okie dokie. Ravnus has her her crossbow out so she can go pew pew at the whatever. That's a nine. (laughs) A nine. You do not see anything on the bridge yet. 
You see Locke has taken out his long gun, his rifle, and has kind of like rested it on the roll cage that is above uh, Camshaft's driving cockpit. Yeah. And uh, Brawl is just kind of hanging on watching. At this point, Brohane has kind of stood up and walked a little bit further, kind of up to where the ballista is by you, Luckbeak, uh, and is just curious in what's going on. Yeah, and the rig continues to crawl. And with as fast as you are going, it's unnerving to now go this slow. Sure. Like, you're now fully aware of how fast the wind is whipping just on the outside of this barrier. And another weird thing you notice is now that you're on the bridge, it seems like the barrier now extends below the bridge and is almost like a perfect sphere around the vehicle. Now that you're out over this massive chasm, you continue to drive. Does anybody else want to make a perception check to see if they spot anything in the storm? Sure. Why the hell not? Mine was a 14. Natural 20. Look at that. Nice. For a 23. Okay. So, yeah, uh, as you're going, um, you guys are keeping a lookout. And Ravnus, you do, in fact, see some figures standing on the bridge. At this point, it looks like maybe a half dozen or so. But as you continue to move forward, a few more seem to come through the haze and are visible. But it seems like there is a small horde of zombies or skeletons on the bridge in front. And I will say this, with this high of the roll that you rolled, you notice something else. As you see that and you point it out, you see something in your peripheral to the side, but down. And you see a large shadow swoop under the bridge. (laughs) Nothing more visible than the shadow in the storm, staying outside of the protective dome but you see it pass below the storm rig and the bridge and fade off to your left. Oh, nobody liked that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Um, Ravnus um, points up ahead and goes, zombies, and there's something down there too, and is like gesturing down. All right. Uh, what did it look like? Um. It was a large shadow. It looked like it it had a trajectory like it was flying. And if that was the case, its wingspan was probably like 40 feet. Okay. She relays that to everyone then. Hmm. Is that like, uh, what do they call it? A rock, maybe? Some sort of bird or something, right? Maybe. I don't know. Well, okay. I don't know what is out here in this uh, So now I got to make these like... These, these questions are like, do I waste this gigantic bolt on a zombie or do I wait for a, a bird or I just feel like I'm wasting it. These are such big bolts. Uh, all right. Well, let us know if you see it again, I guess. All right. <laughs> I'm going to target those six zombies and I'm going to cast slow. Each target must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or be affected for the duration of the spell. Okay. They have super bad wisdom. That's 12. That's a 10. Six. Shit, okay. Four. All right. 14. And last but not least, a 17. The 17 is the only one that passes. For the rest, okay. their speed is halved, and they take a negative two penalty to their AC and dexterity saving throws. Okay. Um, they cannot use reactions. Their speed was already 20 feet. 
So yeah, now it's ten. <laughs> uh, negative two penalty to AC and dexterity. They cannot use reactions, and on their turn they can either take an action or a bonus action, but not both. Okay. These are like Romero, like super duper <laughs> slow zombies. Yeah. So yeah, uh, you cast that spell and you see this like shimmer of energy around them and the zombies who hadn't even really noticed you just yet, suddenly their movements slow, like they're like kind of now swimming through molasses as they kind of shamble there. The one that wasn't affected does look up in response to this magic happening and starts shambling towards the vehicle as you guys are moving forward towards it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, boy. Uh, and it seems that some of the other ones beyond are doing the same. Nick, we're like a monster truck, right? So even if we're not going fast. You are now going at a crawl, which means that the reason you have to pick these things off is because you imagine they will crawl onto the vehicle. Okay, I see. They will be able to climb up the front of the vehicle before they get run over. Sure. So continue moving forward. Locke takes a shot and takes out the zombie that wasn't affected by your slow. A good decision. Brawla pulls up out her crossbow and takes a shot at one of the slowed zombies and does, in fact, hit it, but does not kill it. Okay. Uh, she kind of takes a big chunk out of its shoulder. You said the non-slowed one was coming towards us, but the other ones were just sort of like... The non-slowed one has been dropped okay, by yeah. Locke. Okay. There are more non-slowed ones, but they're further away. So, Ravnus or Luckbeak, do you guys want to do anything? I'm just, I want to keep my action until I'm, I'm sure that either a zombie's going to get too close to us or that thing comes back. Okay. I will say this, that the position of the ballista is not such that you could hit things that are directly in front of the rig when they get too close. Oh, okay. Like right now, they're far enough away that you could hit them. But if they get too close to the front, they will be not, you won't have a line of sight because the rig itself will be in the way of your shot. Forced my hand, Nick. I guess I'll shoot one of them. I got okay. plenty of, I got plenty <laughs> of time. Nothing bad will ever happen to us. We're invincible. We're young and invincible. <laughs> Same. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay. Not a damn thing could go wrong. <laughs> uh, that's a, a dirty 20. Dirty 20? Yeah, that definitely hits. Um... 3d12. Okay. Jesus. Plus nine piercing damage. I gotta remember what a d12 looks like. Okay. Five. <laughs> they're, they're like the least yeah, I know. die in Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, 14 plus nine, you said? Uh, three, 3d12 three Okay, plus so 20, 23. 23? Yeah. Were you shooting from one of the slowed zombies or trying to hit one of the ones beyond? Um, You, you could hit either. They're, they're uh, all in range. I'm gonna go for one of the ones beyond. Yeah, so like kind of the first one as it begins kind of like mm -hmm. shambling past its slowed companions, you shoot your ballista and it hits it square in the sternum and it just explodes its rib cage until it is like a set of a pelvis and legs that take another two <laughs> steps and just collapse. <laughs> All right, well. Uh, a little overkill hey, there, but nice done. Listen, I, I was trying to figure out if it was worth it or not, and that was totally worth it. That was cool as hell. <laughs> Just, I like this thing. That was metal as fuck. All right. The rig continues crawling forward. Locke takes another shot, but that one misses. And Brawl will take a shot, and she'll drop the zombie that she wounded last round. Uh, Ravenous and Marco? Um, can, can Ravenous go pew? <laughs> yeah. All go ahead right. and roll an attack roll. <laughs> oh my goodness, that was another natural 20. <laughs> nice. On on a crossbow. Do you add anything to the crossbow? I think you add your dex. 
Okay. Wait, are they within 30 feet of us or no? They're farther. The slowed ones are now probably just about 30 feet away. Okay. Can I use my telekinetic strike on them? I think that might only be melee. Once on each of your turns immediately after you deal damage to a target within 30 feet of you with a weapon attack, oh, you can yeah, roll no, your psionic totally, talent totally. die. Okay. Totally, totally, totally. Yeah, I wasn't sure what the exact wording of that ability was. Thank you. Yeah, I copy-pasted it onto my sheet. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Sounds good. So uh, that is six plus three is nine. Nine total damage? Yes. Okay. For the first one. Yeah, you launch your arrow and you see this familiar purple psionic energy kind of like crackle around the, the bolt as it pews towards this zombie. Wait, I, I got a natural 20, so wouldn't I... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, hold on. I don't know how to play this game. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Nobody does. Yeah, roll all that dice again. Even the psionic die. Uh, that's an additional 10 for 19. Okay. Yeah, you deal a severe blow to this thing. Um, It isn't quite enough to kill it, though. Okay. But you send this bolt flying, and there's the burst of purple psionic energy that crackles around the bolt and flies into this thing's chest. It blows out its whole shoulder and one of its arms just goes... And just end over end flies off the bridge into the storm. But this zombie itself is still mouth agape, shambling towards the vehicle. Wow. Does um does an eleven hit? An eleven does hit. Nice. Especially because it's slowed. Eight and three is eleven. Yeah. Undead resilience. Oh yeah, that's that's that is enough to to kill it. So, after blowing off its arm with your psionic infused bolt, you load and fire a second bolt, and it just hits it square in the eye, and its mouth just drops open slack, and it just collapses. It almost falls in slow motion, which is super weird. <laughs> <laughs> Noise. You're welcome. Uh, Marco. Um, Marco is going to keep slow up until all the zombies that had slow on them are dead, and then he will think of something to do. <laughs> okay. I think there's only three of the slowed ones left because one survived the slow but got killed and then two slowed zombies have now been killed. So there are three remaining. For Luckbeak, you spend an action to load your next bolt. You got it. Okay. Uh, Brohane is going to use his action to help aim. So it just needs an action to fire. The rig continues crawling forward and the zombies that are slowed need to make a save to try to like cling to the front, but they're slowed. So they have disadvantage. Yeah, none of them do. So in their slowed state, they are unable to get a hold of the front of this crawling storm rig and instead are basically just plowed over because they're moving too slowly to be able to react fast enough to grab and climb up it. And they are crushed by the wheels. You see that there's probably like another six zombies continuing behind those ones. Locke takes a shot. And hits and drops one. He actually gets multiple shots. And he drops the second one. So there's now uh, there's now four. Marco and Ravnus. Instead of casting slow this time, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll go ahead and ice knife him. Okay. So it's going to be a nineteen. Uh, that does hit. All right. Okay. So does even the original target have to make a make a save? Yes. Hit or miss, regardless. Everyone within five feet is going to have to make a dexterity saving throw. Dexterity saving throw. So it's him and three buddies. Um, uh, 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 four. That is a 17. That is a 13. And that is a 10. All right. So one pass, three failed. There is eight damage to the initial zombie. 
Okay. So that is six damage for the three that failed, three damage for the one that succeeded. Okay. Of cold damage. Okay. Yeah, so you see this burst of frost, like this cloud of snow, it poof out from that initial impact and dissipates, and you see white frost caked up their sides of their faces and shit. <laughs> they look like white walkers now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you continue moving forward. Uh, Luckbeak. Wait, I didn't get to go. Oh, I'm sorry, Ravenous, go ahead. You keep skipping me. Shoot a crossbow bolt at the zombies. One of okay. them. Okay, okay. There's one that's hurt more than other than the others. This sounds like I'm cheating. I did, in fact, get a natural 20. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, Fiona. Holy shit. Wow. Okay. And you can use your uh, you can use your uh, uh, psionic strike if you want. Yeah. See, if I was actually cheating, I wouldn't be getting this money. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no, they wouldn't believe it. <laughs> uh, Got to dial it back. <laughs> 23 damage for the first one. Uh, it... it it, like explodes. Okay. <laughs> this time your psionic bolt hits it like right at the base of the neck and there's this poof of telekinetic energy that just explodes it from the top down. Nice. Locke looks over at you with his eyebrows raised and kind of gives you like a little impressed nod. Like, huh. <laughs> Ravnus tries to like play it off like real cool. Like, the, like she does <laughs> that all the time. Um, <laughs> and then for her next one... She's going to get a natural one <laughs> to balance oh, that all out. no. I'm so upset. That is, that is how it works. <laughs> right as Locke is looking and she's trying to like play it off like she's so cool and fucking like misfires. Yeah, uh, the crossbow bolt actually whizzes past Camshaft's head and lodges itself in the rig. So like your, your bolt is now like sticking out of the dashboard basically. And Camshaft just turns around and goes, Hey, watch what you're doing! How perfect is that right after you impressed Locke? I know. It's amazing. Oh, I'm, so, I'm so upset. You see Locke kind of like chuckle to himself and kind of turn back to look down at his rifle. Oh. Back to what he was doing. I'm so angry. <laughs> Damn it. Why does this keep happening? <laughs> Oh my god. It's like, it's so serendipitous. It's so good. Oh, it's uh, so perfect. This is like so like rav so much of Ravnus's beef is like so petty and this is just adding to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. Okay. Luckbeak, it's your turn. I am going to shoot a zombie. Before you do <laughs> There we go. <laughs> you see a another uh like now you're you're kind of keeping an, a lookout uh now that ravnus had mm -hmm. said something you see the shadow emerge from below mm -hmm. on the left up high above and piercing into the dome generated by the storm rig you see a gigantic skeletal quetzalcoatlus <laughs> let's try that one again <laughs> i i know what you're talking about <laughs> i don't know how to say it either Quet Quetzalcoatlus, which is a gigantic pterodon type dinosaur. Its wings don't even have any like membrane on it anymore. It seems to be flying through whatever magic is animating it. On its back, riding it, is a ogre zombie. What the fuck? Uh, Luckbeak, if you would like to change your target. <laughs> yeah, uh, 100%. Boy, Quetzalcoatluses are, with their skin, a nightmare. 
their eyes are set so far back. Okay, um, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to say, uh, uh, Ravnus, 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 there's that thing, it's that thing. Uh, and I'm going to uh, pull my uh, uh, targeting targeting computer up and uh, and attack the Quetzalcoatlus. Use the force, Luke. Uh, so I'm going to shoot into um, into the bird. Okay, you're shooting for the, the Quetzalcoatlus uh, and not the rider? Or the rider. I'm shooting for the Quetzalcoatlus. Much bigger target, I think. Yeah, correct. Uh, it doesn't matter. I got a seven. <laughs> yeah. So almost in your panic, you you jerk hard on the ballista, and it pivots, and you fire prematurely before you get your target locked. Yeah. And the bolt just whizzes past this thing and just poof into the storm beyond. And at this point, I need everyone to roll initiative. Ah, damn. Oh boy! Like, oh boy! Oh boy! Um, does Luckby need, like, help with the ballista? That would have been Brohane, a great time. Brohane is helping him. He got a crew. Um, but that, that's only letting them do two actions around when they actually need three actions to fight it. Okay. Um, uh, anybody get higher than a 20? Nope. 15 to 20? 20. 18. I got uh, five. Oh, no. Womp, womp. Yeah. Glorious, I know. <laughs> okay, so uh, Luckbeak, you are actually first. Okay, uh, and my my thing is not uh, loaded, correct? It is not loaded, and it looks like Brohane is standing by to help when it gets to his turn. Right. But so like you can load the next bolt if you'd like, but that would be all you can do. With uh, your no, uh, if if Brohane is going to uh, load the bolt for me, then I'm just going to take out my regular crossbow. Uh, and see if I can't take a pot shot at uh, at the orc rider now that I realize, perhaps I didn't realize he was on there before, uh, but now that I can see it a little more clearly, uh, I'm going to take a sure. shot at him. Yeah, he is a, a very large ogre zombie. So this, it's funny, um, this gigantic winged skeletal dinosaur actually looks a little bit smaller because it is an ogre-sized sure. rider on yeah. its back. Yeah, okay. Um, so uh, it's a little bit deceiving, but but yeah. Okay, gotcha. So you can go ahead and take a shot. Here we go. Uh, that's a 17. Uh, that does hit. Oh, with my crossbow, 1d8. Uh, it's, what is it? Plus, it's plus dex? No, just 1d8. Uh, yeah, dex. no, okay. plus dex. So that's an 8 plus 1, so 9. Nice. Okay, Ravness. Ravness. Um, she's going to... Crossbow bolt at the big dinosaur. Okay. It is more than 30 feet away. Is it within 80 feet? It is within 80 feet. Okay. Um, 22? Uh, that does hit. Okay. Um, that is a, a 7 for the first one. Okay. And for the second one... That's really bad. Um, that's a nine. Nine does not hit. All right. The zombies in front begin shambling closer, and they get to the rig and begin climbing. Uh, but that's all they can Rude. do. The ogre zombie is going to hurl a spear at Ravnus. Hey. Because uh, Actually, no. No, never mind. He's going to hurl a spear at Brohane. Because he can see Brohane is beginning to load the ballista. Ah. And that is going to hit Brohane and deal 13 damage. Okay, that's all he can do. 
it's Locke's turn, and Locke is just going to turn and say, ah, fuck, <laughs> and try to take a shot at the ogre zombie to knock him off his mount. What a poet. <laughs> and that does hit. Uh, and you see the bullet just kind of into the shoulder of this fleshy ogre zombie who does not even <laughs> flinch. <laughs> and it is now the mount's turn, the Quetzalcoatlus. So it looking down in the direction of Rohane and Luckbeak, since they fired a ballista bolt at it, it is going to swoop down. Oh no, I never um, get hit, Nick. Don't do this to me. You, you, <laughs> oh no, that is uh, that was a natural twenty <laughs> against Luckbeak. Wait, 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 hold on. That does not hit. Okay, so I'm going to use oh. my reaction to. Protective field luck beat. <laughs> Reduce some of that damage. Okay. Ooh, I now have a smaller die, but um, minus eight damage. Minus eight damage. Okay. Oh, no. I rolled very poorly. Oh, thank God. Mm. <laughs> oh, shucks. Oh, wait. Oh, it's even more oh. than that. So it's, it's eight plus my intelligence. Is Ravenous smart? Okay, so it's ten minus ten. Okay, so that was wild. So it, it was 3d6 plus 2, but since it was a crit, it was 66 plus 2. I rolled four ones. Oh my god. Damn. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm invincible. 12 damage minus 10, so you only take two. Nice. So as this thing swoops down and stabs at you with its gigantic fuck-off beak, you see this like purple energy shield kind of appear around you that slows its beak just enough that it only just kind of pricks you instead of impaling. I mean, as as he's coming down towards me, I'm like holding out my hands to try and protect myself. And then when I see that purple field, like I'm going to look at my hands like, oh my God. (laughs) I never knew I had the power. (laughs) Beautiful. And then you look over and see like Ravnus getting herself a nosebleed. (laughs) Okay. Because she rolled maximum on her psionic die (laughs) to do that. It's very Stranger Things. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So yeah, it did that, but it is also um, Luckbeak. Go ahead and make me either an acrobatics check or an athletics check, whichever you prefer. I'll do acrobatics. That's an eight. Uh, Yeah, it, it got a 14. Um, it's going to grab you in one of its claws and it's going to no. fly away. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, I got a plan um. for this. After it tries to stab you and there's this field that erupts, it recoils backwards and kind of like cocks its head like bird-like at you. And I'm yelling, I'm young and invincible. I ain't never going to die. It grabs you with its <laughs> foot and just flaps its wings and goes straight oh, up into fuck. the storm. <laughs> oh. Famous last words. And that was my reaction too. <laughs> So I can't do anything. And you guys see this thing vanish with Luckbeak in its claw through the storm. And that's where we'll pick up next oh, time. Oh, nice. damn. This is this is how we tell Saker that he's that's, not. Guys, I'm very anymore. busy. That's fine. You don't want me here. <laughs> I was like, totally okay. I was oh, about to I, say. I hope that Luckbeak goes to like a comically large like nest. <laughs> and it's like. I have to like be fed by Mama Bird.
Luckbeak, as you're getting yoinked up away from the storm rig, you see everyone's eyes go wide and you suddenly just get buffeted by wind and sand as the storm closes around you and you hear a voice in the back of your head go, well, this is interesting. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's rude. Uh, rude. Hi, I'm Cliff, and welcome to Taverns, Travel, and Tests. Join us every second and fourth Monday of each month as I join my friends Ben, Hazir, Chris, Magus Magron, and Dave, Tereal, as we explore the wide world of Castia, seeking out the juiciest long-forgotten secrets and share some hearty laughs in this D&D 5th edition real play podcast. It's like a rib burn-off, <laughs> but in a fantasy world. If there's something to be done for some coin, they've probably already handled it. I travel to entertain and to... Other <laughs> For more information about taverns, travel, and tests, and all of the other great shows on the Project Derailed Network, visit projectderailed.com and look for us wherever you check out your favorite podcasts. Projectderailed.com